Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. And welcome back to New Books in History. I'm Marshall Poe, your host. Each week we pick a new history book that we find interesting, and we interview the author of that book. This week we're very pleased to have Yuma Totani on the show, and we'll be talking about her new book, The Tokyo War Crimes Trial, The Pursuit of Justice in the Wake of World War II. You've probably heard of the Nuremberg Trials, and you can probably even name some of the people accused and convicted. And you may have heard of the Tokyo War Crimes Trials, but perhaps not. I knew that they had occurred, but I didn't really know anything about them until I read Yuma's really terrific book. Uh, Well, they did occur, and they were important in a number of senses, one of which is that it helped the Japanese people come to terms with uh, what their government and military had done during the Second World War, and also the trial set a number of international precedents that are still um, in force today. The interpretation that she gives of the trials is also very engaging. It seems that the Americans and their Confederates bungled the trials pretty badly. I'll let her explain in the interview. Here it is. Hi, Yuma. Hi, Marshall. How are you today? Uh, Very well, thank you. You are in Hawaii, is that right? Uh, That's correct, yes. Wow, that must be very nice. It is, indeed. Uh, uh, You can't... uh, Hope for the better. I no, mean, this I, is think, perfect. <laughs> I think that's right. We, I'm here in Iowa, and we're having a beautiful day today, but I think it's our first uh-huh. one. And I, I visited uh, Hawaii, and pretty much every day is beautiful. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> so right, yes. You're very lucky to be there. You can in, please invite me to come give a talk or something. I would uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I That'll should, be good. Yeah, I should tell our listeners that we're talking to Yuma Tatani today, and we'll be discussing her new book, The Tokyo War Crimes Trial, the Pursuit of Justice in the Wake of World War II. Uh, I've read the book, obviously, and I think it's terrific. Uh, it fills a great lacuna in my knowledge. Um, I knew a lot about the um, trials that took place in post-war Germany, the Nuremberg trials of great fame, but Americans and I think people in generally, general don't, don't really know as much about the Tokyo War Crimes trial, so we should thank Yuma very much for writing this terrific book. Um, let me begin, Yuma, by asking you to say a few words about yourself, that is, where you grew up and where you went to school and how you became interested in this topic. Sure. Uh, well, uh, I was born and raised in Japan, and uh, uh, I went to a university in, in Tokyo. Uh, it's a university called the International Christian University. Mm-hmm. Uh, I studied art history mm-hmm. um, and graduated in 1995, 95 years. Uh, afterwards, uh, with my parents' generous financial support, uh, I had an opportunity to study abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to England. Uh, I studied for a, a master's degree for two years. Mm-hmm. I was at the uh, School of Oriental and African Studies. Mm-hmm. It's part of the University of London mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. Um, there I studied political science. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, uh, we did a lot of comparative studies of uh, uh, the formation of modern states in Asia and Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, I decided that I actually wanted to do some work on Japan. Mm-hmm. And um, 
my advisors at SOAS uh, told me that uh, if I were to study something in Japan, uh, I should go to the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, strangely enough, they didn't uh, suggest that I go back to Japan. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I ended up applying for various universities in the United States. Uh, uh, got accepted uh, at the University of California at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And there I started uh, taking various courses on Japan uh, and some other uh, history courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my... Uh, over the course of my graduate training there, I thought that maybe I wanted to do something else, in fact. <laughs> uh, so I was taking uh, other courses uh, on Africa again and uh, South Asia, which became uh, part of my uh, research interest uh, while I was in, in, uh, in England mm-hmm. and also while I was at uh, UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my teachers were a little worried about my drifting off, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, uh, but I managed to stay on to uh, studying history of Japan, uh, uh, largely due to my finding this very interesting topic, the Tokyo War Crimes Trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I stay, I uh, I stick, I stuck to that topic, mm-hmm. and then. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I got uh, my PhD just about uh, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since uh, I've been uh, teaching, uh, I was first at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I taught there for two years, and now I'm based in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, your story sounds a little bit like my story, and I think every professional historian's story. That is, you get to graduate school, and then you wonder what you're doing there. because it does take a long time Um, that's certainly the case and also I liked what you said about your parents generous financial support I think that um, everyone I interview should say that but they don't Uh so (laughs) I know my mother I think sure uh, I think Japanese parents uh, actually uh, uh, a lot of them are really generous about Mm -hmm. uh, children's education Mm -hmm. far more so than uh, uh, say uh, I don't, actually, I don't know the situation in, in the United States, but uh, a lot of students do get parental funding for the uh, undergraduate education mm-hmm. uh, and to some extent for the graduate mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. I don't think I should have got it. Uh, I should have uh, earned my living myself, but uh, <laughs> um, since my parents offered, I, I took it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you for a second. Nobody would. Um, and we're, we're glad that you persisted. Uh, and we're able to write this terrific book. Um, let, let's, beginning, uh, let's begin to talk about the book a little bit. And, and I want to sure. uh, start with a question uh, which uh, you, you may or may not have expected. But as someone who grew up in Japan, what did you know about the Tokyo uh, war crimes trial before you started this research? Um, that's a good question. Um, I was aware that there are a lot of debates about, uh, about the war. Uh, about uh, uh, how the Japanese people, Japanese people, should confront the past and mm-hmm. accept war guilt, um, but I wasn't quite aware how the Tokyo War Crimes Trial figured in the uh, this larger debate. Mm-hmm. Or for that matter, I I, uh, I wasn't really interested uh, mm-hmm. in the Tokyo trial, or, uh, and and wasn't really paying much attention to this uh, ongoing debate about the about the war and responsibility. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, so you yeah. didn't, didn't. So you didn't know very much about it. Do let me ask a follow-up question. Uh, do Japanese people um, know very much about it? Uh, yes, that's. Uh, I would say yes. Um, I would say uh, up to the my generation, or perhaps a generation earlier, uh, almost every person would have something to say about the Tokyo trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was such an, an important historical event in terms of understanding uh, uh, the Japanese involvement in World War II. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, the, and I was going to ask, uh, what, what um, do people say about it? What are the various positions people take about it? The general uh, understanding of the Tokyo trial among the Japanese people was that it was a, a politicized uh, event, Mm-hmm. And that, uh, legally speaking, uh, uh, there was nothing, uh, little or nothing valid mm-hmm. in the findings of the Tokyo Tribunal. Mm-hmm. That's the general understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, so uh, it was a rather brave thing for you to write this book then. Did you ask your friends back in, and family members back in Japan whether this was an appropriate topic? Uh, I didn't do that. My parents don't really mind. They don't really care what I do. As long as I'm happy, they're mm-hmm. happy about it. Uh, but, uh, yes, uh, while I was doing my research, people would ask me questions about the Tokyo trial. But uh, when they're asking me questions, they're actually not interested in what I had to say. <laughs> they wa- rather wanted to tell me what they thought the Tokyo trial was about. Isn't it always so, that way, though? <laughs> yes, but uh, it was difficult for me to uh, deal with these people because I understood what they are saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, while I didn't quite understand, I, I didn't have a full grasp of the Tokyo trial when, mm-hmm. I, ha- when I was having all, all kinds of conversation with mm-hmm. these people. Uh, that that was when I was doing my research. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, often uh, finding myself at a loss, mm-hmm. but uh, I thought I should continue because mm-hmm. I could see there's so much uh, interest in in this topic, mm-hmm. at least among the Japanese people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I sus- um, yeah, I, I suspect there's a lot of interest among uh, Americans and Europeans as well. Um, I know that, like I say, I look through the catalog of Harvard University Press, and this book jumped right out at me because I knew it was a huge gap in what I understood. So, again, thanks uh-huh. for writing the book. Um, is, is it going to be translated into Japanese? Uh, it has been translated. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I, I did the translation mm-hmm, myself, yeah, uh-huh. uh, which was really great because I didn't have to uh, consult the author mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as to rewriting and mm-hmm. making addition. And mm-hmm. uh, I had to make a lot of change because uh, the uh, the audience, the readers, uh, the, the the Japanese version is addressing to us. Is so radically different mm-hmm. from the audience I expected when I wrote uh, this uh, first in English. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see. So, what what sort of changes did you make? Um, I uh, I removed uh, uh, some basic information about the Tokyo trial that the Japanese people may already know. I see. Mm-hmm. I also tried to expand on some uh, uh, aspects of the trial that are of special interest uh, uh, for for the Japanese, mm-hmm. especially uh, where it concerned uh, 
the treatment of uh, Judge Paul, uh, mm-hmm. who is uh, an Indian mm-hmm. judge and mm-hmm. one of the 11 members of the Tokyo Tribunal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may get to to him later mm-hmm. on, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, he he wrote a dissenting opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, which rejected uh, almost all findings made by the majority opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ever since his dissenting opinion became known, uh, the Japanese people rallied around it mm-hmm. and uh, elevated to uh, as uh, 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 treated it as a the authoritative judgment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as opposed to as opposed to the majority judgment being the. Uh, Victor's politicized mm-hmm. uh, uh, opinion. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to expand on uh, uh, how things have been discussed uh, uh, about this dissenting opinion. Mm-hmm. I tried to give updated information uh, uh, about the Japanese scholarship on him mm-hmm. um, and the implication of his dissenting opinion uh, mm-hmm. to the uh, uh, Japanese uh, government's uh, position regarding uh, the continuing international effort in international prosecution today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. So, it's, a, it's interesting, yeah, yeah, it's interesting yeah. that it would have to be adjusted for the audience in that way, and I can understand how it would be. Um, has the uh, Japanese translation come out yet in Japan? It, it came out four months uh, after the English version came. I see. How, how is and it received? It's been received very well. Oh, great. Uh, thanks. Uh, in, uh, thanks in part to my publisher in Japan, uh, mm-hmm. Mrs. Shobo is my publisher. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, there is just such a huge interest in the Tokyo trial mm-hmm. that the uh, the response was immediate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out in August 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, the following month, there was already an, uh, a book review in the Nikkei, which is a, mm-hmm. a major uh, financial newspaper in Japan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Followed by a few more book reviews in other major national papers, mm-hmm. uh, and the sales of my book, uh, the record of it is much better in Japan than in the United States. Yeah, no, I'm sure. So, and this is interesting, uh, given the fact that the Japanese version is uh, priced much higher than oh, really? the uh-huh. one. It's yeah. about fifty-five dollars. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, as an academic book, is quite cheap. Usually mm-hmm. it's like uh, more than $60, between uh, $60, yeah. $60 and $100, something mm-hmm. like that. But still for uh, ordinary, you know, lay people, it's an expensive book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not just my book that's selling well. There are uh, uh, dozens of other books on the Tokyo trial that mm-hmm. came out last year oh, really? in Japan. I didn't know that. Yes, mm-hmm. because uh, 2000. Eight marked the 60th anniversary mm-hmm. of the uh, the Tokyo Judgment. Mm-hmm. So uh, 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 Japanese publishers tried to get a book out on the Tokyo trial mm-hmm. to to meet this uh, mm-hmm. uh, anniversary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there are other books that are, all, are equally sitting very well mm-hmm. last ha- year. Have you had the opportunity to make any radio appearances or television appearances to talk about the book? No, this is the first one. <laughs> oh, really? That's surprising so to really, me. Yeah, I, I would suspect. I'm very honored. Yeah. Oh, certainly, my pleasure, absolutely. But I, I would have expected that the Japanese media would have been very interested in talking to you. Um, but uh, I, and, and if any of them are listening, I encourage them to call you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's talk a, a little bit about the book itself. Um, 
the, the first question I have is, uh, why did the uh, Allied powers decide to proceed with a Nuremberg-like trial in Japan after the war? The uh, the major goal of uh, the trial at Nuremberg, the international one, was to establish the uh, responsibility of the German Nazi leaders for the planning and waging of aggressive war. Mm-hmm. That was uh, uh, really the centerpiece of the prosecutorial effort at Nuremberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, try the same group of Nazi uh, leaders for other types of international offense, such as war crimes mm-hmm. and crimes against humanity, mm-hmm. uh, uh, was also important. Mm-hmm. But to establish a new legal precedent that determined the criminality of aggressive war mm-hmm. and that determined individual criminal responsibility for such acts. These two were the uh, main issue at the international, this ad hoc international tribunal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so did they um, say that they wanted to apply this precedent then to the Japanese case? Yes, uh, that's how the Tokyo tribunal was uh, conceived, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, uh, the Allied uh, powers already had the plan to hold a series of international trials in the Far East, mm-hmm. um, but to, um, they also made a, a specific decision that there will be another international prosecutorial effort mm-hmm. in the Pacific, and that its focus will be the prosecution of wartime Japanese leaders for the crime of aggression, mm-hmm. or then known as uh, crimes against peace. Mm-hmm, exactly. I, I want you to just to say a few words, if you will, about the, the three kinds of charges or the three general areas that the Allies um, pursued in their prosecution against the Japanese. And those are, because I don't think our listeners will understand exactly what they are, having not read the book. That is crimes against peace. Mm-hmm. That's one. War crimes is two. And then mm-hmm. The one that they'll all know about, which is crimes against humanity. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the difference between those. Yes, uh, crimes against peace uh, are such, uh, are the acts of planning, preparing, uh, initiating, and waging mm-hmm. uh, aggressive war. Mm-hmm. Uh, that these acts, uh, committing any of these acts, or the uh, conspiring to commit these acts mm-hmm. constituted crimes against peace. Mm-hmm. That's how it was defined in the uh, uh, statute of mm-hmm. the Charter of the Nuremberg Tribunal, mm-hmm. and as well as in the Charter of the Tokyo Tribunal. Mm-hmm. Uh, war crimes are such crimes that are committed in violation of rules and customs of war. Mm-hmm. Um, as of today, uh, there uh, the key uh, international uh, documents regarding uh, uh, rules and customs customs of war. When we talk about it, we go back to the Geneva Conventions of 1949. Mm-hmm. But uh, and, uh, among other things, mm-hmm. but uh, the um, international agreements that applied at the time of uh, World War II. Uh, uh, go back to those conventions concluded before uh, 1930. Mm-hmm. So 
The major ones include the Hague Convention mm -hmm. of 1907 mm -hmm. and the uh, Geneva Convention mm -hmm. of the uh, of 1929. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, that's uh, war crimes, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a crimes. Uh, it basically it's uh, all uh, there are a variety of. Uh, uh, Actions, acts that will come under the category of four crimes, that, but uh, they are mainly uh, criminal conduct committed against the uh, prisoners, prisoners of war, mm -hmm. those enemy soldiers that have already surrendered mm -hmm. and are under your custody, mm -hmm. and those criminal acts committed against the civilians, mm -hmm. uh, civilian population that mm -hmm. came under uh, your control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes. And then crimes uh, turning to yes, turning to crimes against humanity, uh, there is overlap between war crimes and crimes against humanity. But the crimes against humanity, as it is understood now as well as then, is uh, mainly is about uh, the systematic attack targeted specifically on the civilian population. Mm -hmm. Uh, whether or not uh, war is armed conflict is in progress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The novelty of this concept, uh, crimes against humanity, was that this, uh, the law pertaining this category of uh, offense would be applicable not only to enemy nationals, mm -hmm. but also to your own nationals. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Another novelty which I should emphasize as well is that uh, whether armed conflict is in progress or not uh, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I see. Whereas, in order for war crimes to uh, be established, there has to be first the context of war. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the benefit, the strength, uh, the uh, the important thing about crimes against humanity is that by using this concept, you could. Uh, prosecute someone, say, the leaders of uh, Nazi Germany, mm -hmm. for uh, committing systematic attack on uh, uh, Jewish uh, people mm -hmm. of the German nationality, mm -hmm. whether or not there was an armed conflict or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I see. And so the, the, under these three headers, uh, the Allies put together um, an international tribunal so let's talk a little bit about um, how they decided who was going to be party to the prosecution, because um, obviously it's the case that the United States was one party, but there were other parties as well. And who were they? Uh, are you talking about the defense? Uh, oh, no, I'm talking, you're talking about the prosecution, who, oh. the tribunal itself. Sure. Uh, the, uh, there are 11 countries that took part in the Tokyo proceedings, mm -hmm. plus Japan. Mm -hmm. These 11 Nations were uh, uh, na countries. Uh, those that, those countries that had been at war with Japan. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. So they were all invited. That would be the Russians and the Commonwealth nations and and um, and Australia and so on and so forth. Were all party to this? Yes. Uh, uh, I should uh, uh, add to this that uh, the, among the eleven mm -hmm. were. Uh, Major Asian powers such mm -hmm. as China, mm -hmm. uh, India, and the Philippines. Mm -hmm. 
It's particularly interesting that India and the Philippines were allowed to take part in the Tokyo proceedings because at the time of the commencement of the trial, these countries had not achieved independence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is it's, interesting. Yeah. So there's a, uh, some thoughts among the uh, uh, great, uh, great powers like Britain and the United States to set the uh, stage for these countries to have mm. a greater say in international relations mm-hmm. in the post-war uh, setup, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. That, that, that is that, that is interesting. I didn't I didn't really realize that from reading the book. Um, let's turn now to the defendants. Um, I, I, and again, this is going to appear to be a very ignorant question. But uh, was it the case that upon um, defeating the Japanese forces and occupying Japan, that the um, the occupying power or powers in this case, especially the United States, mm-hmm. just rounded up the um, leaders of the Japanese military and um, uh, uh, political authorities and put them in prison in Tokyo? How, how did they get all of these yes. people? Yes, you're, uh, you're very right about it. Uh, I just add a few uh, explanatory comments mm-hmm. to that. Um, uh, as, as, we, uh, as I pointed out earlier, uh, the Tokyo War Crimes Trial, uh, the, the main purpose of it was to prosecute wartime Japanese leaders for the crime of aggression. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was specific, a series of specific uh, 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 orders from the uh, U.S. State Department, or it might have been, I think it was a State Department, uh, to the occupation authorities in Tokyo to arrest uh, those uh, individuals who are considered as major suspects for mm-hmm. this type of offense. Mm-hmm. So it's really not everyone uh, who held uh, the highest positions in the Japanese government and mm-hmm. military establishment. Mm-hmm. It's those individuals who, in the uh, evidence gathered so far, mm-hmm. may have played a key role in waging uh, aggressive war against China and the uh, other Western powers uh, mm-hmm. in the Pacific region. Mm-hmm. And how many people were arrested? Uh, in total, those uh, there are hundred, uh, about a uh, hundred individuals mm-hmm. who were uh, arrested or uh, and put into uh, a prison uh, called a particular prison known as the Sugamo prison, mm-hmm. or put under house arrest uh, on grounds that they are the major suspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be considered for the Tokyo trial. Was it easy to uh, apprehend them, or did some of them try to go into hiding? Yeah, uh, the Japanese uh, were more or less compliant. Oh. Um, the, it's really, the situation is really different from what you see, say, in the former Yugoslavia, mm-hmm. where people are like hiding and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the arrest effort has been very difficult. The mm-hmm. governments are not necessarily cooperative and mm-hmm. so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, uh, in the case of uh, Japan, the government was cooperating and uh, uh, those uh, identified as su- major suspects, they were also cooperative. Mm-hmm. There are a few instances of uh, uh, attempted suicide and, uh, uh, and successful suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tojo Hideki was one of those who tried to mm-hmm. commit suicide but uh, failed in the attempt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, there's one, uh, another major suspect, uh, 
who was a wartime prime minister three times, uh, Prince Konoe, mm -hmm. uh, he committed suicide on the day before he was supposed to show up at mm -hmm. uh, Tsugamo prison. Mm -hmm. But uh, given this barrage of wartime propaganda about uh, self-sacrifice mm -hmm. and, you know, not to be, uh, not to surrender to the enemy, mm -hmm. but to death. The suicide rate, I must say, is quite low. Yes, I, 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 you, you point that out in the book, and I, and I remarked on it as well. Um, the, the, so uh, what did the, the people who were apprehended think was going to happen to them? Um, they uh, probably aware, uh, at, least, uh, 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 at least I think they are aware that war crimes trials of one kind or another would be happening mm -hmm. because by the time Japan accepted surrender, uh, the the four great powers in Europe, uh, Britain, United States, uh, Soviet Union, and France, had issued the uh, uh, the declaration uh, of establishing the Nuremberg Tribunal. Mm -hmm. So they must know that something like this uh, may be created mm -hmm. in the Far East. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know to what extent they are knowledgeable about the, mm -hmm. uh, the specifics of charges that might be brought against them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, the reason I ask is that uh, I know, or at least I have read, that in the case of the um, period before the Nuremberg Tribunal, some of the high Nazis felt that they would um, be asked by the Allied powers and the British and the Americans specifically to lead the new Germany. I know Himmler mm -hmm. was famous for saying things of this sort. Uh -huh. uh, so uh, that wasn't the case in Japan? Uh, well, uh, the um, I'm not so sure. Uh, the, say, let's say uh, Prince Konoe, who mm -hmm. committed suicide, he was thinking that he may uh, get uh, uh, a chance to Lead uh, New Japan. I see. Mm -hmm. And was kind of making mental preparation for mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So for him to be named as a war crime suspect was a, a big shock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and there also uh, uh, was an attempt uh, by the Japanese government to proceed with its own war crimes prosecution mm -hmm. uh, as a uh, thereby uh, preempt, preempting the, the Allied war crimes mm -hmm. uh, program, but uh, that was uh, 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 not allowed. I see, yeah, so, I see. So um, it's not the case, or I think you point out that it's not the case that uh, of these hundred suspects, I guess we should call them, or detainees, that all of them were put on trial. How did they decide uh, who was going to be tried and who wasn't? Yes, um, the uh, prosecutors, uh, they tried to uh, choose uh, a group of about 20 mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, who could be uh, reasonably tried mm -hmm. uh, in a reasonable amount of time mm -hmm. uh, following the Nuremberg pres mm -hmm. uh, president. So uh, these, uh, the group of 20 or so, they decided should be a group of uh, uh, representatives, yes. uh, uh -huh. uh, those who represented major key organs, mm -hmm. uh, key decision-making organs mm -hmm. of the government and the military, 
uh, in the making of the Japanese war effort. Mm -hmm. uh, that was one uh, 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 principle that mm -hmm. dictated the uh, selection process. Um, they also tried to get uh, one individual to cover as many different uh, government and military offices and organs uh, mm -hmm. as possible, mm -hmm. uh, so that the idea of representation would be uh, uh, fully uh, expressed in mm -hmm. the chosen group. Mm -hmm. uh, furthermore, they, uh, the prosecutors wanted this group to uh, have such individuals who may be uh, uh, who who could be linked to uh, some instances of mass atrocity. Mm -hmm. such as the rape of Nankin in 1937 mm -hmm. or the rape of Manila in early 1945. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the, I, I found this part of the book very interesting because uh, generally speaking, um, I, I'm not a lawyer and don't know a lot about the law, but we prosecute people on the basis of um, individual responsibility. It seems mm -hmm. like they used a very different technique here, that being people who were representative somehow. Were, were there right. any objections to that at the time? Did people say, you know, this is not consistent um, with our principles? Um, there must have been. But uh, given the precedent already in place at Nuremberg, mm -hmm. uh, the thinking of the prosecution seems to have been that they just follow the, the example. I see. Moreover, the Tokyo trial was not an ordinary trial. Uh, there are hundreds of other criminal proceedings uh, that are taking place in the Pacific region, mm -hmm. which focus on, uh, really, in a, a strict sense of the word, uh, individual responsibility mm -hmm. of individual uh, war crime suspects. Mm -hmm. The Tokyo trial was like Nuremberg. Mm -hmm. It's not about establishing the uh, responsibility of individuals for specific offenses. It's also about setting the historical record straight. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's about getting uh, as many, as much documentation as possible about the Japanese war effort mm -hmm. and the Japanese conduct of war. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, that that's one big reason why the, this idea of joint trial uh, mm -hmm. shaped the prosecutorial effort mm -hmm. at Tokyo and mm -hmm. Nuremberg. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, that's actually a good segue or transition to my next series of questions. I, I'm glad that you mentioned setting the historical record straight because um, one of the things that you describe is uh, in creating the case against this um, group of leaders, the prosecution created for some reason, a kind of fiction that there was a conspiracy that went back to 1931. I thought it was interesting because in the Nazi case, you can, you can reasonably say that there was a kind of conspiracy because there is continuity of government in the Nazi case. But here, I mean, there wasn't continuity of government. So mm -hmm. how, did they, how did they come to think that they needed to do it in this way? Mm -hmm. uh... Yeah, this is a very complicated question, I have to say. Uh, at Nuremberg, uh, as you say, uh, the, well, uh, at Nuremberg, the prosecutions tried to use this concept of, uh, or the legal, doc legal doctrine of criminal conspiracy mm -hmm. uh, to establish the record of the German war effort. Mm -hmm. But the judges didn't like this idea very much. So they gave a very narrow interpretation of what uh, criminal conspiracy meant. 
they only focused on the actual uh, planning of actual war effort. Mm -hmm. And then when uh, which uh, uh, the planning for the the waging of aggressive war, and when uh, and they look at whether individual defendants were present or had any part, active part in in the planning of uh, waging aggressive war. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in other words, they had uh, they interpreted conspiracy to mean simply planning. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but I was going to say, even, even by that narrow definition of conspiracy, it doesn't apply uh -huh. very well at all to the Japanese case, does it? Right. So <laughs> uh, the, the judgment that Tokyo with the conspiracy charge was uh, quite uh, problematic uh, because the, ju the judgment was based on some uh, visions by uh, right-wing ideologues, or however you call it, uh, about the uh, Japan establishment of Japanese hegemony in mm -hmm. uh, in, in Asia, mm -hmm. uh, using such uh, various statements by such ideologues, mm -hmm. uh, pretty much the uh, the tribunal established that yes, there was a cons conspiracy uh, for the planning and waging of aggressive war, mm -hmm. and that those who subscribed to this idea was culpable. Mm -hmm. That's what. Uh, the Tokyo Tribunal did. At Nuremberg, um, the judges said, yes, there was a, a, a Hitler writing about, uh, you know, this grand vision of mm -hmm. uh, German leadership in Europe, etc. But it's just a vision. Mm -hmm. And we are interested in actual planning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in terms of uh, judgment, uh, the Nuremberg one is more... Uh, in, uh, how do you say, intellectually sound? Yes, intellectually sound, yes. Than, than that is at Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, it's funny because I've, I, although I'm not an expert on Asian history, I've had to teach a little bit of it in, uh, in, 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 um, in 20th century history classes. And usually the way that it's taught and inscribed in American textbook it is, in fact, as a kind of conspiracy that started in 1931 in Japan to create this greater East Asian co-prosperity sphere. But I was very interested to read in the book that it's much more difficult to actually knit together the various acts that were perpetrated by the Japanese government between 1931 and 1945, um, mm -hmm. that in fact it was much more sure. ad hoc than that. Yeah, and the interesting thing about the Tokyo Judgment is that uh, on the one hand, uh, uh, it says that uh, as a general ruling, that yes, there was a grand conspiracy uh, to wage uh, aggressive war to create this greater East Asia co-prosperity sphere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, no. But on the other hand, when you read uh, the specific findings of the tribunal mm -hmm. about the Japanese war effort, it doesn't read like a grand conspiracy. <laughs> it's a, a, a planning uh, of revising, uh, cancelling mm -hmm. of various war plans. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's uh, this discrepancy, uh, yeah. in other words. You know, yeah, I was going to say, you know what it kind of reminds me of is the way that um, the, uh, the, the Holocaust, that is the um, German 
um, genocide against the Jews used to be described before we actually looked at all the documents. And people would say that, you know, somehow this was in the German soul, or they would say Hitler had thought it up. And you can find it in uh-huh. Mein Kampf, or that it was decided in 1939 in the invasion uh-huh. of, of Poland. But actually, when you look at the documents themselves, it, that, that there was just this kind of vague general sense that they had a discomfort, even an extreme discomfort with what they called the Jewish problem and uh-huh. never really had any sort of coordinated plan to, uh-huh. to, uh, to, to start a genocidal campaign. And even when they did start, it was put together in a very ad hoc fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I saw an interesting parallel there. Um, let, me, yeah. let, me, let me return to the question of uh, um, setting the record straight. One of the fascinating things... Uh, that you point out in the book is that the um, the American, who I guess was the head of the tribunal, Keenan was uh-huh. his name, is that right? Um, he, yes. he, he wasn't really the right person for the job, I think we would say. <laughs> Maybe uh-huh. you could talk a little bit about him. Yes, uh, one really uh, interesting thing about the Tokyo trial is American leadership, or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Uh, the United States made it its, uh, its policy to pursue a prosecutorial effort against the Nazi Germany, the leadership in, of Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan, mm-hmm. uh, with the emphasis on establishing the uh, criminal responsibility for aggressive war. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the United States was consistent about pursuing this policy at both tribunals. But when it comes to sending in uh, American staff to these two tribunals, uh, the United States seemed more concerned about the success of Nuremberg Mm -hmm. than Tokyo. Mm -hmm. So at Nuremberg, you have the best, among the best legal minds of the United States at the time Mm -hmm. being represented at at Nuremberg, say, Justice Robert Jackson. Mm who was a Supreme Court judge uh, then mm-hmm. and uh, was a key person, really, in planning for the Nuremberg uh, trials. Um, uh, his eastern counterpart uh, was uh, Joseph Keenan, um, who was the chief of a, a criminal division of some sort uh, in the Justice Department. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of the uh, his career background, he was not as great as... Uh, uh, Justice Jackson. Mm-hmm. In terms of his leadership quality, he didn't quite show that well at Tokyo. Mm-hmm. In fact, his inability to lead mm-hmm. uh, was a big problem in the prosecution's uh, mm-hmm. teamwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, in, I was going to say yes. one of the things you point out uh, is that he was an alcoholic. And and uh, and he was an untreated alcoholic, and this this affected his performance. Uh, apparently, so uh, it's in the uh, prosecution team's internal memos. Uh, Keenan, uh, who had been uh, addicted to uh, alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, had stopped drinking about a year before uh, joining the Tokyo proceedings or mm-hmm. something. But yeah. uh, once in Japan, he started drinking, mm-hmm. which created some concerns among his American staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, other allied members were suspecting that, that there was something wrong with this man, mm-hmm. but they couldn't really uh, do much about mm-hmm. it. They weren't quite clear what was happening, mm-hmm. uh, and so on and so forth. But yes, so uh, it's really uh, an, an interesting topic. 
mm-hmm. uh, that is to look at why the United States made so much commitment to uh, sending the right kind of person to Nuremberg on the one hand and to and not doing the same with Tokyo. That is interesting. Maybe you can um, take a PhD student and have them write a dissertation on that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good topic. I think the big, yeah, but uh, the big thing is really this. Nuremberg was a historic trial, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Tokyo was not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a historic one, but it was a follow-up. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that the idea of Tokyo being follow-up mm-hmm. may partly explain uh, the relative lack of commitment on the side of the United States to uh, Tokyo. Mm-hmm. This is not to say, though, that the there was an American leadership mm-hmm. in terms of uh, the number of people that the United States sent in uh, and the number of uh, uh, talented people actually the United States uh, did send, uh, mm-hmm. but who worked under Keenan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the commitment of the United States was the greatest. Mm -hmm. But without the help from uh, 10 other allied uh, nations Mm -hmm. that also send in staff, the Tokyo trial may have ended far uh, uh, less uh, not as good as it did. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Um, Again, to return to this topic of setting the record straight, the, the, one of the things you point out about Keenan, if I remember correctly, is that he um, he he was um, much more interested in interviewing the suspects than he was in collecting documents. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, this is because of his understanding that uh, at the end of war, at the end of World War II, uh, the Japanese government uh, made a systematic effort to destroy as many uh, military records as possible mm-hmm. uh, in order to uh, avoid Allied confisc- confiscation. Mm-hmm. Um, in Germany, uh, the German government or the military really didn't have much time for document destruction mm-hmm. because there was already a, uh, a Allied landing mm-hmm. uh, approaching Mm-hmm. Uh, Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, with respect to J- the Japanese war effort, I mean, the Jap- Japan proper was more or less intact. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no land invasion. Mm-hmm. It was uh, expected, but it wasn't happening yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, uh, so uh, without the, the presence of the Allied uh, forces, the Japanese government had the time to engage in uh, systematic document destruction. Mm-hmm. Moreover, those uh, outer islands uh, uh, that had formerly been or still uh, under Japanese control, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, those pockets, the huge pockets of uh, Japanese-occupied territories that had uh, been uh, uh, saved of Allied attack, these uh, islands could also uh, carry out the government uh, orders for mm-hmm. document destruction. Mm-hmm. So these things really um, affected, uh, created problems uh, in the subsequent Allied effort of war crimes investigation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. Um, so let's move directly uh, to the trial itself. Uh, the the um, one of the defendants who one might expect to be there was not there, and that was um, Emperor Hirohito. Why did they decide not to prosecute him? Uh, it's a very important question um, from the Allied leaders' uh, point of view. 
uh, Hirohito was a, a, a key suspect, as you just said, but they also see him as a special kind of war crime suspect. He was not only a legal problem, but also a political and military problem uh, because of his very unique power and authority mm-hmm. as the emperor of Japan. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, uh, there is a uh, uh, thinking that this person cannot escape uh, criminal responsibility. But on the other hand, there was thinking that if the ally proceeds with his prosecution, uh, there may be far-reaching uh, political and military repercussions. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, um, they went very cautiously as to what kind of policy to adopt vis-a-vis mm-hmm. Hirohito. Mm-hmm. The final decision that they adopted was to take no action, no commitment, mm-hmm. as of now, in favor of or against his trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, policy of non-commitment was set in place uh, as far back as the time of the uh, Japanese acceptance of surrender mm-hmm. in the summer of 1945, mm-hmm. and continue really till the very end of the uh, Allied occupation. That's April 1952. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my reading of the uh, mm-hmm. sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, the treatment of Hirohito, I might add, is uh, or the uh, controversy surrounding his treatment is very much like what we confront today. For example, with the treatment of uh, uh, Sudanese President mm-hmm. uh, Al Bashir. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, there's a huge international uh, support for his prosecution, at least uh, in, in this side of the world. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's, uh, there are many cautionary words stated, even uh, among, uh, uh, among us, about the, uh, the idea of actually arresting and prosecuting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there would be uh, uh, far-reaching... Uh, implications mm-hmm. uh, about uh, treating this this man. He's again uh, like Hirohito. He's a very special kind of person. Mm-hmm. 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 I see. So, I see. So, so then let's move to the trial directly. You have some uh, very interesting things to say about uh, the presentation of the prosecution's case, uh, uh-huh. w- which seemed very convincing. Um, but the, the most um, fascinating part to me was the fact that the defense was. Uh, I guess the word that comes to mind is sort of lackluster. There, that, that, that there was that the defense was not vigorous as it was in mm-hmm. Nuremberg. Why was that? Yes, uh, this is a very important point. Um, at Tokyo, uh, as, we, as we just covered earlier, uh, crimes against peace was the centerpiece of the prosecutorial effort. But there was an, a prosecutorial effort concerning war crimes and crimes against humanity. Mm-hmm with uh, uh, substantiation and the rebuttal of the charges related to crimes against peace, the defense was very aggressive mm-hmm. because it was, ma- it was a matter of determining whether it was just war or not. Mm-hmm. So defense was actually quite robust. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the prosecution's evidence on war crimes, uh, the defense effort was, uh, you might say, it rather poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, uh, the defense uh, position was to accept uh, the fact, the prosecution's contention, 
that there was widespread uh, perpetration of war crimes by the Japanese armed forces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, when such evidence, uh, evidence after evidence being brought before the prosecution mm -hmm. about the mistreatment of POWs, death marches, summary execution, rape, uh, torture, and so forth, mm -hmm. the defense was largely quiet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the point that the defense did contest was the responsibility, responsibility of the individual defendants mm -hmm. for the occurrence of this, the widespread uh, atrocities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at, at some point I, I remember reading that they also attempted to say that in the case of the atrocities in China in the mid-19, or maybe the early 1930s, they said that the nationalist Chinese forces were doing the same thing and that this would somehow mitigate their guilt. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, so uh, one of the things you point out is that the, um, now, now the Japanese attorneys or lawyers who were charged with um, um, presenting the defense had American assistance, but they themselves didn't really understand the procedure very well, did they? Well, uh, the, uh, the Japanese defense lawyers, many of whom are actually not lawyers, oh. they didn't quite understand hmm. how the uh, adversarial system of the Anglo-American mm -hmm. uh, legal tradition worked. Uh, in order to uh, make up for their lack of experience in, uh, uh, in a different type of legal system, uh, the Japanese government requested uh, American, uh, the Allied uh, assistance. Mm -hmm. Um, and the United States agreed to uh, send in uh, American lawyers mm -hmm. uh, to assist those uh, the Japanese. Mm -hmm. So the much of the defense argument wa was in, in court was uh, presented by the uh, by the American lawyers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. Um, is it your general feeling that it was very effective? Uh, the at the level of. Uh, uh, appearance, that is to say, uh, from the Japanese viewpoint, the, the ordinary Japanese people, they seem to have thought that the American presence in the Defense Council was really important mm -hmm. to give the Tokyo trial a, a, some degree of uh, appearance of fair trial. Mm -hmm. But uh, in terms of the uh, effective, actual effectiveness, uh, it's uh, something that I should really look into. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the number of American lawyers provided, uh, it's quite limited, about mm -hmm. uh, two dozen or so. Mm -hmm. So the defense was always suffering from shortage of staff. Mm -hmm. there, there are a lot of Japanese people helping, mm -hmm. but uh, English-speaking staff was lacking. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But... Uh, uh, we, if we ca can come back to the uh, defense efforts regarding war crimes, mm -hmm. charges of war crimes, yeah. it seems it's less the lack of staff uh, if, uh, that uh, affected the defense effort. Mm -hmm. It's really the how compelling the prosecution's evidence mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that really made the defense effort uh, uh, difficult, mm -hmm. defense mm -hmm. effort to rebut. Mm -hmm. And so then maybe you could just describe briefly after all the evidence was presented and the defense presented its case, uh, what, what did the court rule? The court's finding was that 
Uh, indeed, as the prosecution had argued, uh, the judgment goes, I mean, it's not literal. Uh, there was uh, compelling evidence of widespread war crimes mm -hmm. committed by the, the Japanese armed forces, mm -hmm. and that given how widespread the war crimes were, and how similarly patterns these war crimes war crimes were, uh, it's uh, inconceivable to think uh, that the Japanese uh, leaders of the Japanese government and military were totally unaware of these. Mm -hmm. In fact, the tribunal goes, uh, the members of the Japanese government and the military must have known, uh, at, at the least, mm -hmm. or may have secretly ordered mm -hmm. that these crimes be committed. Mm -hmm. The word secret is quite interesting and important here because it points to the, uh, the prosecution's great difficulty in presenting a uh, documentary evidence of actual criminal orders mm -hmm. or authorizations. Mm -hmm. uh, it's um, it's uh, again it leads to the uh, the the Japanese government's effort of obstru obstructionism obstructionism mm -hmm. at the end of war mm -hmm. that is the systematic destruction of uh, documents. Documents, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I this is not to say that there are no such. Uh, uh, orders or authorization to commit war crimes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in fact, recent research by Japanese scholars uh, uh, bringing to light some documentary evidence of, say, the to Tokyo cabinet authorizing the use of Chinese POWs as slave laborers mm -hmm. uh, for forced labor, mm -hmm. or the Japanese government uh, and the military authorizing the use of women for the covered women. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the document destruction was completely, um, was a complete, it was a totally effective, uh, but that the, as of the 1946 through 48, when the Tokyo trial took place, the, the prosecution didn't manage to secure relevant documents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see. So then what, um, what uh, sentences were um, meted out by the court? There are uh, 25 uh, defendants. Mm -hmm. uh, out of 25, 10 were found guilty of war crimes. Mm -hmm. Other 15 were not. Uh, they were acquitted or not charged of war crimes anyway, but many of them were acquitted. Uh, but they did receive conviction with respect to crimes against peace. So everyone was convicted. But uh, it was those tens who were convicted of war crimes who received the harshest punishment. Mm -hmm. Seven of ten received a uh, death penalty. Mm -hmm. uh, three, the remaining three, varying terms of uh, imprisonment. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. Um, so let's talk a little bit about. Uh, you mentioned this earlier, but Powell's um, dissenting opinion. Um, what exactly did he say about the uh, the judgment or the um, the jurisdiction of the tribunal. Yes, his great, greatest dissent uh, was the idea of uh, war, uh, sorry, uh, aggressive war as constituting an international offense. Mm -hmm. In his reading of international uh, body of international law, he argued that such idea could not uh, was untenable. Mm -hmm. He was also of the opinion that the doctrine of command responsibility that was uh, broadly uh, 
uh, applied in the case at Tokyo, uh, as well as uh, at other Allied tri- uh, war crimes trials, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, problematic. I see. Uh, mm-hmm. He didn't uh, reject the idea, but with respect to accuse the accused at Tokyo, mm-hmm. he concluded that no one could be uh, convicted on this uh, on the basis of this doctrine. Mm-hmm. But the greatest dissent he had was international law itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had this idea that international law, as applied at Tokyo, this was a product of the Western civilization. Mm-hmm. And that him being uh, uh, a great believer of uh, uh, other uh, kind of law with uh, capital L, mm-hmm. uh, rooted in a- the Asian civilization, mm-hmm. and which was the superior one, mm-hmm. he just couldn't sub- subscribe to the idea of, uh, of applying this law. Mm-hmm. I see. So that's the greatest, really, dissent mm-hmm. that he had. And um, did this opinion find favor among the Japanese public after the war? That's right. Um, yes, uh, very much so. Uh, and it's his dissenting opinion that is regarded as the, the judgment. Mm-hmm. And it's in fact not referred to as the Judge Powell's dissenting opinion. Mm-hmm. It's referred to as uh, Powell's uh, judgment. Oh, really? Is that right? Um, yeah. So, is, is he something of a national hero then? In, is there a stamp in Japan with his picture on it or anything? Yeah, he's uh, uh, the Yasukuni Shrine, who, which is a, a, a major war memorial site uh, in Japan today, mm-hmm. where 2.5 uh, war dead is uh, enshrined. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the precinct, you can now find a, 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 a stone monument. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Paul mm-hmm. commemorating his great dissenting mm-hmm. uh, opinion. That's re- that's that's re- that's just tremendously interesting. Um, anyway, Yuma Tatani, we have we have taken up really a lot of your time, and we're very grateful for it. Um, let me um, close the interview by asking our uh, traditional final question, and that is, um, what is your next project? What are you working on now? Um, I would like to uh, continue working on the Tokyo trial. Because uh, what I produce here only looks at uh, 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 the tip of the iceberg, really. Mm-hmm. The trial records being so massive, and given my time, which was about two to three years mm-hmm. in my graduate, as mm-hmm. a graduate student, uh, I really couldn't go through all documents. Mm-hmm. It's a lifetime job, job really. Well, you're... So, I was going to say, you're, you're lucky to have a lifetime job. A lot of us have to pick different topics because I know in my case, I I, I completely exhausted um, the kind of sources that I was looking no, at. I, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah. So anyway, well, I want to thank you very much for being on the show. I'll tell our uh, audience again that we've been talking to Yuma Tatani about her new book, her terrific new book, The Tokyo War Crimes Trial, The Pursuit of Justice in the Wake of World War II. So um, thanks for being on the show, Yumi. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to an interview with Yuma Tatani about her new book, The Tokyo War Crimes Trial, The Pursuit of Justice in the Wake of World War II. I'm Marshall Poe, the host of New Books in History. I hope you have a great week. Mm-hmm.